The following episode was recorded before March 2024, and while the content shared is valuable and useful, it features Rob, who is no longer involved in the business. Hey, it's Rob and Kennedy. Hello, today on the Email Marketing Show, we're talking about the different ways that we are currently using AI across our business right now at this moment in time. But before we get to that, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, yeah, Rob Kennedy, I wish I could get more people to click on the links in all of the emails that I send. I would make way more money if I could get more people to click on the links in more of my emails. So we've got a solution for you. We've put together 12 super creative ways to get more clicks in every single email that you send by making the things that they can click on more interesting, more exciting, all of that. So you can go and grab it inside this download called Click Tricks. It's yours totally free as a listener to this podcast podcast today. All you have to do is go to emailmarketingheroes.com forward slash tricks. It's a lovely thing, that. Anyway, uh, he hates it when you, need, when you need a pair of scissors to open a pack of scissors. It's comedy hypnotist Robert Temple. And he went to Puerto Rico for 60 hours and didn't see any of Puerto Rico. It's psychological mind reader, Kennedy. Now, of course, as a gigging entertainer, this sort of traveling around and not, not that you were there for gigs, but you were there for our mastermind, but traveling around and not seeing places, I guess you're getting used to. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you do get used to it, but I've sort of, the reason I've sort of stopped doing as many gigs is because I'm sick of traveling to places that I've seen them. People are like, oh, you've been here. Oh, you've been to Venice. What should I do in Venice? And I'm like, get on the cruise ship. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the storm caused you problems, right? Yeah, basically, I was supposed to have an extra day in Puerto Rico on Tuesday, so I was supposed to fly on Monday night, Monday, drive Monday night, and uh, and then have all, all of Tuesday to myself. And of course, there was a storm in the UK. My flight was cancelled. My initial connection flight was cancelled, and so that knocked everything up. So I lost I mean, my lovely day of Puerto Rican loveliness. We're not supposed to have storms in England. We're supposed to have rain, like yeah, a little bit, bit of rain, sleet. A bit of sleet, a bit of sleet. Uh, and then that's it. And then we go back to sun for a couple of days and then back to rain. That's, that's how we do it around here. Um, it is always frustrating, isn't it, when you get like a knife or a pair of scissors and you, you need the very thing. You know, I it's can't a bit remember like that. I always get frustrated when I can't find me glasses because I need me glasses on to see them. I I, uh, I can't remember what that packaging is called, but it's the packaging that always put scissors in. And you like, there's no yes, way of getting in it. It's the hard, brittle plastic stuff. Yes, you either have to have a pair of scissors or be a tiger are the only ways you're getting into that packet. And I'm not a tiger. Yeah, yeah. And to be honest, if you had a tiger, you wouldn't need a pair of scissors. <laughs> <laughs> or a shredder. Think about, is there anything you can do with scissors that you can't do with a tiger? Yeah, keep your arm. <laughs> exactly you can eat your arm i mean you could cut out lovely uh, your, the wrapping paper that would be fine exactly exactly hello every week on the show we talk about how to make more sales and earn more money from your email subscribers we talk about everything from email marketing strategy to the psychology and the tactics and we share with you what's working right now for you to make more sales online making you the email marketing hero in your business we've got a brand new episode here every single email marketing wednesday so make sure you've hit the subscribe button on your podcast player. And I want to just say a massive thank you to all of you who have been leaving reviews of the show over on Apple Podcasts. It really means the world to us. If you haven't had the chance to do it just yet, please pop over to Apple Podcasts right now 
and leave us a review. It really means the world. It helps us hear who's out there, but also helps us spread the word. It tells Apple that we're doing a good job. People like the show and it recommends the show to more people so we can help more people with this email marketing stuff. So thank you so much for doing all of that. We really appreciate you. So, in Ron, fact, just very quickly, yes. we might even go back to reading out some of these reviews in future episodes. We're going to be recording some soon. We should so do that. We'll we should look, definitely we'll look do for that. those. Yeah, yeah. Well, we definitely want to give you a name check. So, uh, so uh, that'll be cool. So we we were talking the other week, and we sort of I want to sort of people behind the scenes on this episode a little bit. We're doing this at a weird time because usually we um we we sort of batch record episodes of the show so we can be really efficient. But actually, this one we're purposefully not batching. This is literally being recorded not very long, a few days before we're releasing it because. We want to do a special episode showing people inside of our business as to what we're actually doing with artificial intelligence. What are we doing with AI inside of our business? But we came to the realization that we can't record that back in uh, December because the speed with which AI is developing and the speed with which and the things we're implementing across our business, testing, trying, uh, some of the things we're keeping, some of the things we're ditching, is going to change at such a fast and, and rapid rate. So we were like, we're going to have to record this like just a few days before we release it. So um, yes, yeah, so I I've literally just come back from Puerto Rico. That's is a it's it's a time it's a timely thing. So um, there's a bunch of things we've done. There's a bunch of things we've tried. Uh, some of them have been really successful. Some of them haven't. But this is all born out of the fact that I was at a mastermind. I think it was back in June of 2023. And everyone's talking about, about AI. And I had the question, this is all great, folks. But this everyone's talking about the stuff they're selling with AI. Everyone's just, if you go online and you onto uh, on a, sorry online on on a on a social media platform, any of them, and you see an ad which has something with AI in it, we know that that's going to be selling better than something without AI in it, right? And so everyone seems to be using AI as a hook, as the current hack to get better conversions on ads and of products. Even if it's not on ads, just email your list, go, I've got the AI that does this for you. So my question was, is anybody using AI in their business? Not selling AI, but actually leveraging the power of this technology in their business. And of course, a bunch of extremely smart marketers sort of sat around scratching their heads going, no, not really yet. And I was like, wow, this is really interesting. So we've sort of taken it upon ourselves to go, well, how can we be using it? We don't have an offer, a product or a service that is led with AI. We don't have one. Um, because honestly, we've tried to make some things work with AI and they're just not good enough. Like people are saying, hey, you can do email subject lines with AI. I've never seen a good one yet. We've tried to put our formula into uh, say ChatGPT and into Claude AI to, to see if we can get it to use our methodology to, uh, to write subject lines. And so far, we've not been able to prompt it and make it do that thing. So, so far, we're really wanting to do an episode about how we're actually using it, which I think is a, a bit of a bloody fresh of breath, a fresh of breath air 
There you go. <laughs> a fresher breath there. Love it. Um, so let's dig into this. And what's going to be interesting about this is for all the reasons you described, a lot of these are not the things that you might be thinking of that we're going to talk about in this episode, like, you know, the best ways to create copy and all of those things. Because uh, as no. you've said, for, you know, for the time being, we haven't yet been able to do that, make this work. And actually, I think I'm getting more and more convinced, I don't know about you, Kennedy, I'm getting more and more convinced that actually learning to prompt properly is about as difficult as writing emails. Like, you know, I think, yeah, I think professional prompters is is a thing. I mean, I know people who are hiring prompt writers. That right. I think it's absolutely its own industry. And I, and I still definitely want to hark back to the idea of we should all be aware of AI. We should all be thinking about how can it speed things up, make things easier, give me new and, and, and diverse opinions, insights, all that sort of stuff. Um, but I think we have to also remember that behind all of this, it has to be good. Right. And it comes back to that thing I think we said last time we talked about AI on the show, which is when I first sent you a thing, I think it was an email that I got AI to write, your response, looking back at it now, I think was really perfect. I think you you said something like, it's impressive that a computer wrote it. That is right. impressive. It's like a magic trick. Like you got a computer to write that and it makes sense. It has a kind of a point. It sort of goes somewhere, which had never been seen before. And that was back when ChatGPT 3.5, I think, was out. I think that's what it, where we're at. Obviously, at the time of recording this right now, as we're releasing this, uh, Four is out. Five is on the way. So there'll be another updated episode about all of this stuff once five comes out um, in sort of spring, uh, spring, summer um, sort of time uh, in, in 2024. But it's, yes, it is impressive that a machine wrote it. It is impressive that a computer put this together and synthesized uh, these emails. But, and as you said, dead right, man, dead right, if a copywriter or if you or I had written that for a client and the and one of us had looked at it, we would have gone, that is not a good email. That right. is not a good sales page. That is not good copy. No. So I think we have to remember that all of our AI is trying to replace what we are actually doing, which means it has to actually replace it. Right. It's not like it's impressive that it came out of a robot. The person reading your ad, the person reading your emails doesn't give a shit who wrote it or how it wrote it. It's just about, does it get the action? The danger, and I, you know, I promise this is not going to become another, because we've done two episodes already where we've said, can, can AI write your emails for you? And the answer has been, no, uh, this is not going to be another one of those episodes. We are going to get into some useful stuff in a second. But um, I think just worth, you know, harking back to, I think the danger is people who are currently not doing email marketing because, quote, they haven't got time or haven't given it the attention or whatever, they know it's important. Um, they might use ChatGPT or similar or Claude to write emails and they aren't the same as we're currently doing because we're not currently doing and therefore accept them as good because they've got nothing to compare them to. They've got no benchmark. They go, well, these look about as good as some of the emails I receive from some of the people I get to. I'll send these because that's better than sending nothing. And I think that might not be true. So yeah, that's the that's the current the current state of affairs. That's the danger of it, I think. So let's, so let's talk about let's pull, what we are yeah, doing with it because we're not curtain. doing that. Let's pull out the curtain. Yeah, let's see what we're doing. One of the first things we've done, if you, and, and definitely go and use some of these things. And by the way, we would love, love, love to hear some of the ways you're using AI in your business. Not selling, not teaching AI, but 
using it, right? Come and join us in our Facebook group. We'll start a thread, a post in there in the Email Marketing Show community Facebook group. And uh, we'll have a discussion. Because I, I would love to know how other people are using this stuff, this AI stuff. Because genuinely, we would love to be doing more with it if it's if it's powerful. So the first thing that we, we're going to talk about is if you do any kind of live session and you're using Zoom like so many of us do to deliver those sessions. So for example, in our membership, the Email Hero Academy, we deliver at least three live sessions every single month. We have a tech call with uh, two tech gurus on on there for, to help people with their email tech and getting all that sorted. Every single month we have that. Then we have two Q&A calls with, with Rob and I where we where we answer people's questions and do the strategy stuff with people where they so everybody knows what they're doing. So I'm sure you have something like that in some of your programs. It might be a live training you do each month. And so one of the big things that we had is we had an assistant at the end of each Zoom call download the recording of the Zoom call off uh, off out of Zoom and then upload it into like Vimeo and then add that into our sort of members area. And now because we wanted to do we had this uh, we had this assistant who was in the Philippines. And what I hadn't realized is that the download speeds in the Philippines, in this example, um, is a lot slower and more throttled, or his particular connection was slower and throttled compared to ours. So that was taken a shed load of time. And so what we found out is there is a free integration between Zoom and Vimeo. So this is technology, this is AI automating things in our business. So now when we hit record on Zoom, it's actually recording, yes, into Zoom, but also straight into Vimeo. And when we told our member admin person about this, we were like, oh, we feel a bit bad because you might have cut off a bit of his job. And he was like, thank goodness for that. It was taking me hours to download this damn thing. He was relieved and over the moon. So now all he has to do at the after every uh, every live session we do, which is you know pretty much every, every Wednesday, is he just logs into Vimeo, grabs the embed code and puts it in the members area. It's like a 10 minute job to do every single week, right? So that means it's just so much faster. We're not waiting for things to sync up. We're not downloading and uploading. That's a lot of a lot of work, a lot of waiting around. It's already done, right? We hit stop at the end of a call and it's done. And I know you might be thinking, you might be thinking, that's not AI. Surely that sort of thing's been available forever. AI's like, you know, computers writing things and taking over the world and buying chips and stuff like that. Uh, it's not true. Uh, that, there's different types of AI. There's things like, and I don't understand this at all. Kennedy might jump in and save this, but I just wanted to make the point. There's things like robotic process automation and things like that, which are different forms which is, of that's AI. What, and, and technically, that's what that is. This is RPA. This is robotic so, process automation. Yes. So it, it's different forms of what's now being considered to be AI. So again, some of these things, so I'm glad that one was first, are not going to be using a computer to write things or whatever, which is what you might normally, you might be trying to find ways to have computers write things for you. But that's not all AI is good for. Sure. Yeah, and, and like you say, yeah, this is RPA, this is robotic process automation. And and, and it's this, things like this when you go, when am I spending time downloading and uploading? I just thought, in this modern world where RPA and AI both exist, there's got to be a way of doing that 
even if it's not direct, even if even if Zoom and Vimeo hadn't become friends and decided to to do this integration, you could have probably done it through a third party tool or hired somebody to do this stuff for you. It's actually not that expensive to create this level of efficiency. Yeah. Right. For example, I was talking to somebody when I was in Puerto Rico actually about this, about the fact that to do our um to do our accounting, we had a developer, actually, we hired, we have a developer full time on staff. But if we hadn't, we would just, we, we would have hired a developer to do an integration between the shopping cart we use, which is Thrivecart, and, um, and Zero, which is the accountancy software we use, to make sure that we don't have to have a bookkeeper, a human being going through reconciling every single transaction and figuring out have we charged the right amount of tax and have we filed it correctly under the right, the right line in our bookkeeping. We never need to do that. So we save thousands on bookkeeper fees because of a probably few hundred dollars worth of time invested in having this kind of RPA developed. I mean, we've done this since the beginning of our business. So again, great opportunities for this stuff to be developed. And because RPA and AI are so prolific right now, there are so many freelancers available with these skills to do custom work for you. But this is not all going to be about custom work, so don't, don't feel like it is. But that's a pretty advanced thing we're kicking off with. The next thing, this is an interesting one, uh, just for total transparency. Um, this is something we tried, we ran for a little while, and then we actually ditched it. And this was basically to take the transcript of our uh, Q&A calls from our, from our Q&A calls that we were just talking about. So literally, we do a call, and that call gets automatically put into Vimeo, ready to go. But then we get the transcript of that, which Zoom gives us. And then we, um, and obviously, if, if you don't use Zoom and you use something else, there's easy ways of getting transcripts with rev.com and places like that. And then you take the, you take the transcript, and we fed it into Claude.ai. You could use ChatGPT or any of them. Uh, fed it into Claude. And we had, it, and with some prompts, we would have it create written summaries of our calls so that people can read the questions and answers back quickly. So if somebody was, you know, um, asked a question on the call, then they had to drop off and they didn't want to have to watch back through all the call they'd watched through to get that far or whatever. Or somebody just doesn't have the time to watch the whole call, but would like to get a, a summary of what was in it. Um, this you could just read Rob, just to jump in there. This was born out of the idea of um, of helping people consume content. Like one of the things we have to do in our programs is, is obsess over how do we help people consume the stuff? Because consumption is tricky. Because if you've got a 60 to 90 minute call, you're doing them three or four times a month. That's a lot of time someone's got to spend with you, right? Even if on one and a half times speed or two times speed, it's a lot. Whereas if we we just thought, if we had this PDF that they could download and see the questions and the answers, you could skim that. It's like a two-page PDF. They could skim the questions and answers, get the, the rough question, get the rough answer, and go, oh, I've learned that. Or if I want to learn more about that, I know the exact timestamp because we timestamp those questions and answers too. I can go in just at that point in the video. So that was the idea to help people really speed up their consumption. And one of the things I've seen referenced a lot on YouTube videos and stuff that I've watched, but I haven't gone down this rabbit hole yet, is the idea of having it, um, having something re record your internal meetings. So every time me and Aidan and Kennedy or me and Colin and Kennedy or whatever have a meeting, we record it, it automatically gets 
um, sent over to Claude or whatever. It gets summarized and sent back with action points and everything purely as a, we do record a lot of calls now, but purely just as a, if we just forget what something, what, what somebody said and what decision was made, this would be a really easy way to get that decision back. Now, we've ditched it in the membership and I wasn't really part of the bit of installing it or ditching it. So I'm, I'm curious to find out from Kennedy in what sense it was unreliable. Having said that, um, I would, it might be that it's unreliable as a thing to give customers because it looks a bit messy, but actually for an internal resource that might still work. So there may be some saving grace to this. Yeah. What, what basically happened is the first, so I did a test one on a, on a past call that we'd done. And I was like, this is great. I've got the prompt. I've got it um, highlighting the question. I've got it um, summarizing the answer. And then I've also got it um, putting timestamps in. It was pretty good. I put it into a Google Doc and then export as PDF. Lovely times. We then did, I think, two live calls where we, where we then used this. Um, and they were great. On the third one, so that, that's when I was doing it manually, and then I had, then I give it to one of our team to do on the third one, and um, I got feedback that basically it was missing whole questions, like it was just not seeing the question at all. It was not hearing the question um, and and not able to extrapolate that. Even though we were literally feeding in the transcript, we weren't giving it the audio. We were giving it the transcript as it came out of Vimeo, actually. So I went into Vimeo and downloaded the transcript from Vimeo itself. Um, so with the fact that it was, the whole point of it was to, to highlight the questions and the answers to customers and members, um, and then it just wasn't able to literally do that. It couldn't really catch on to what was a fresh new question. Um, it literally couldn't it couldn't deliver on its core functionality that we wanted. Now that said, you only just say, just want full provide full sort of transparency here. I'm not a prompt engineer. I'm not patient enough. We were just talking before we hit record today, Rob. Neither of us are patient enough to sit and make that happen. I am sure if you are a really good prompt engineer or you know somebody who is a really good prompt engineer, I think that is hugely valuable. When we told our members we were testing it and we were going to try it out, they got so excited about this fact that they could review a call really, really quickly you know, when you're sitting on your phone, uh, on, on the bus, on the, you know, on, on the train or, you know, wherever you're traveling to, uh, in between meetings, waiting for the kids to come out of school in the car, all those things to be able to quickly review uh, what happened on that call without having to have your headphones in or put the, put the, uh, the, the laptop open, I think is hugely valuable. So if and or when we can get that working, I would love that. Right now, I don't want to put the time, energy, effort, creativity, and patience into finding the perfect prompt that is reliable. And that's the thing I am seeing with every AI that I've played with. GPT, chat, GPT, um, Claude. It's This is not like me just having, you know, shitting all over Claude at all. Every single time we've used any kind of AI, there is, it's not reliably producing results. You often have to, t you'll see in every AI training, and if it's sometimes it doesn't behave because it's a bit of a mood, a bit of a moody thing, you have to just hit rewrite. That means there is still, there still has to be a level of human understanding and, 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 and cognizance around, oh, well, the human therefore needs to know what all the questions are on the call. The whole point of this was that a human did not need to know what that was. Otherwise, we would hire a team member to go through the call, 
find the questions, find the answers, summarize the answers and the questions, and then we'll do it manually. So for me, there's not a time save going on there. It's interesting. I found generally testing stuff with AI, I've found over a period of time, like more than a couple of weeks, it's a bit like having a personal assistant who's got a bit of memory loss. So you know those films where you see somebody and they wake up after a terrible accident and they can't remember anything that's happened to them. I feel like that the AI is like a human who's got who's who's sort of on the road to recovery from that. They remember most things, but just every now and then you you have to go. No, do you remember? No, it's Robin Kennedy. It's just you. It's just you've signed this email off, Fred. Like it just yes. makes stuff up randomly over a period of time. It seems to forget everything you've told it so far, and you have to go. No, no, we don't. We don't sell spanners. No email marketing courses. And it yeah. sort of just seems to forget. And every now and then you just have to go, I think you need to go and maybe just get checked out because I just think, and I haven't got the patience to sit and re-prompt the stuff that it's forgetting. I think that's what annoys me. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that we might expect as a development in G- in GPT-5. That's right. something that's sort of rumored to be um, un- under more significant development there. Um, so that is, that's just a, just a little thing that we tested. We would love to have working. We think it's a bloody great idea but we haven't nailed it yet. So if anybody has solutions to that, if you've got a prompt that you find's working, again, please let us know. Um, I'm going to, we'll have started a thread. By the time you're listening to this, there'll be a thread inside of our email marketing show community um, in uh, over on Facebook. So just go to Facebook, search for either email marketing show community. And uh, inside that group, there will be a thread. Talk about those things. I would love to see your prompts and that kind of things. Speaking of which, I'm going to do a little quick tease, which is I have a really cool prompt for you to help make your um, make your copy more punchy and more exciting for people to read, much more marketing, but I've never seen anyone use before. And when I've shared it with some really smart AI people this last week, they got pretty excited about it. So I'm going to share with that at the end of the episode as well. Little tease for you. There you go. Next thing we've done is we've used, as you know, we're a big fan of using stories and lessons in our emails and stuff. So we'll tell a little story about, you know, I did this thing, and then we'll relate that story to something within our niche. And one thing we've had some success with, not perfect yet, is we'll give ChatGPT the story and say, find this, uh, find the lesson in this as it relates to email marketing. Um, One of the big things that we found with it is that it doesn't know are unique frameworks. And even if we tried to teach, you couldn't easily teach one chat thread, if you like, on ChatGPT or Claude, all of your like sort of core theories or mantras or, you know, um, rules or approaches or frameworks or whatever. But they are at the back of your unconscious mind. And what's more likely to happen is you're going to get to the end of the story and go, oh, that's a bit like what I say about you know, subject lines about, you know, don't do this. I'll go and I'll, I'll make that the lesson. And it can't do it. The best it can do is go um, generic email marketing uh, wisdom or generic toothbrushing wisdom or generic whatever your niche is. It can't know your unique stuff. It can't reference the frameworks and the things. It can't talk about what's in your courses because it doesn't know. And again, you can't easily teach one, I don't think you can teach one chat GPT thread, everything that you teach and know and everything that's in every one of your courses and everything that's uh, you've ever said anywhere on a podcast and every little anecdote or, um, or metaphor you've ever had, you can't teach it all that stuff. So it does generally just end up coming up with stuff that's quite bland and vague. But what I've found that it 
is useful for is to give you a bit of a springboard. So if you tell a story about the time you were burgled in your caravan on holiday, you put that in, you you know finish the story, pop that in, say, how do I relate this story to a lesson about email marketing? And it can sometimes come back with something. It'll probably give you four or five options. That's why I asked it to do so. Ask it to. And then you can look through those options and one of them will be close to something you could say that's a bit more unique and then you can sort of uniqueify it. So it's quite good for giving you a bit of a springboard if you're having a bit of a creative dry spell. I like that. I know you've done it a few times. It's come up with some you know, fairly decent stuff eventually. You know, just again, just like give me five more, give me five more. And then you go, oh, now I've got something. Yeah, uh, That's really, really cool. Something I do like doing with this is, is we often will do customer interviews. And we'll do this both with customers who've bought the things that we sell. And we'll do this with potential customers, people who are in our world, on our list, on our in our Facebook group, for example. And we'll reach out and say, hey, we're doing some interviews with some people just to find out more about you. And just literally just research calls. These are not sales calls. These are research calls to find out what people's problems are, why they bought your product, why they haven't bought your product, what they're trying to solve. Just really trying to get under the skin of people. And of course, what I've done in the past is taken lots of detailed notes about the things that they say. Um, but what we can do now is we can take the transcripts of those and put them into an AI and have it summarize. And because it's one single piece, the summary is pretty good, okay? So you can have it summarized, you can have it look for um, their fears, you can have it look for uh, their hopes, you can, have it, you can have it really start to give you a summary of all the things you would want to know in order to write a new piece of marketing for something. And then off the back of that, you might update some marketing that you're already doing, maybe a sales page or some emails or a new email campaign, or you might even develop an entirely new program based on the needs that the people have got. But putting transcripts into uh, into an AI, uh, say chat or Claude or whatever, um, to analyze these conversations like we do with team meetings, like we were saying we've tested with some other things, but doing it with the customer interviews is, is pretty good. Um. The next thing that we've been playing with is, again, not copy, but is sort of interesting science for behind the copy. So one of the things we all have to do in our campaigns, in our sales pages, in everything is to overcome people's objections to buying from us. And one of the things that you can really do is you can get in touch with chat and say, listen, um, thinking about my perfect customer and even, I mean, we haven't done this, but like I've seen people who've used it in order to really go, go deep on who their customer is and what their customers want and stuff. Avatar-ish, you know, our, if you listen to us for any length of time, you know our skepticism around customer avatars specifically. But it's one of the things that we have looked at is, okay, why, why might these people not want to buy an email marketing course that's $2,000 and does this, that, and the other? And it will come up with good ideas, good objections. But then obviously the next step of that that's only the first bit, is then to say, great, how do we, how can we overcome those objections? So somebody says, I don't think I can afford it right now. We can say to, to one of the AI platforms, how could we, over, you know, acting as a direct response copywriter or a salesperson, how could we start to overcome that objection? How could we completely overcome that objection? And it could go down a bunch of different routes. It can say, well, you can make it cheaper, <laughs> which you don't want to do. Uh, you could, they could say, you could put a payment plan in place. That's one option. You could uh, use copy to convince them, not convince them. That sounds bad, doesn't it? Um, to, to get them to realize how valuable it is and why actually they can't afford not to have it. And they go, great, help me do that, being a copywriter. So, 
uh, again, it's quite interesting just to sort of push your brain outside of what you would ordinarily think of, which is mostly they don't trust me. And most people, but remember, think of objections wrongly. Most people think of objections as, as it's too expensive, whereas the actual objection is they think it's too expensive or they can't afford it. And that's a different thing. So you can sort of drill down on stuff and let your brain go bigger than it would ordinarily go if you were just sitting down with a piece of paper and trying to brainstorm this stuff yourself. Yeah, I like it. One of my favorite things that I've been doing with AI over the past, ooh, six months plus, uh, I don't even know if you know about this, Rob, um, is, um, is is one of my things that I love uh, about my job uh, and the work that we do is I is, is I run our Facebook group, that email marketing show community that seems to have come up a lot in this episode, um, just because of the way things are. But um, and on sometimes what what I do is on a Tuesday, so we obviously release a new episode of the show every email marketing Wednesday, so every Wednesday. Um, but on the Tuesday before, I'll sort of start a discussion which tees up and gets people thinking about the topic of the following day's new episode. Um, so and and what I've done for for years since we started the group is literally gone through the the notes that we made on the episode. I know what the episode's about. I can look at that on our spreadsheet and then ask a poignant question. So if we were doing a episode about um, low ticket offers, I might put a question on the Tuesday about who here's got a low ticket offer. Just something really simple. But sometimes it's really tricky to come up with questions that are engaging, really simple to engage with questions on social media. So what I've done is I've taken the uh, the transcript from the podcast. So our team already gets us a transcript. We grab it out of Zencaster or whatever that we record on. We take this transcript and I stick it into, uh, say, Claude or ChatGPT or whatever. And I say, hey, I've got a Facebook group. It's for this type of person. Can you give me 10 engaging social media posts that ask a, ask a question that is really simple to answer? That's basically what the prompt involves. I could grab it, but you know, it's basically to do with the simplicity of answering the question. And then it will come up with a whole bunch of different ideas. And I will, I've never copied and pasted the wording of the post, but the sentiment, what it's asking for, I've absolutely used that several weeks in a row several weeks in a row. And sometimes there's like two or three which are good. And I'm like, do you know what it is? It's a group about email marketing anyway. I'll use one for the Tuesday post, one for the Thursday post, one for the Sunday post, because, because they're so good. So getting social media post ideas for engagement, I don't care about notification posts. Hey, this thing just happened, this thing just happened. We post some of those things as well. But the engagement ones, they and finding that engagement piece from a piece of content, very, very useful. You could use that on your X account. You could use that on your... Um, I mean, it's weird saying an X account. I still want to call it Twitter. Just like your X, your X is what? Your, you've got your X's password. Just hilariously, I started searching for Twitter yesterday and then remembered halfway through that it's called X. So I just put the word X. I did the same thing on my phone. And you know, I did. I Googled Twix. Literally, the Google search results page was the chocolate bar Twix. <laughs> Do you know what it is, though? What's really interesting about that switch, by the way, just as a quick tangent, is I was on my phone. I wanted to go on Twitter. I was I was wanting to research something I knew I'll, I'll get into all that is later maybe but um and um and I was like oh I'll go on to Twitter so I started searching Twitter and nothing came out I was like I haven't got it installed anymore and then I remembered it's called X and of course just typing the letter X on your phone straight up there's no like 
It's not like when you type the letter T and you've got like train line and you know this and all these different T right. um, T websites. X. Yeah, there's That's only X. There's, yeah, 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 yeah. Apart from my uh, my favorite xylophone app. Yeah, and the X-ray one. And my X-ray, yes, it's a great app. That <laughs> <laughs> just at, at home X-rays now on the new Apple uh, iPhone sixty-two. <laughs> if your mum left her husband, she'd have an X-ray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for full clarity, my mum's husband is called Ray. <laughs> so he would be called an X-Ray. <laughs> anyway, dragging a kick and screaming back to uh, the old AI. Um, one of the things we have done is we've used AI to write a complete lead magnet. Now, you've got to be careful how you do this. I was very, um, very precise with what I wanted to do with this lead magnet. The whole point of this lead magnet is to, uh, it basically was outlining the five different types of buyers we have in an email list. So I I didn't want it to come up with the five types of buyers. That was our intellectual property. That was our framework. We have the urgent buyer. We have the researcher. We have the, uh, the, the anyway, we've got the five different types of buyers. I'm not going to go into them on, on this episode. We talked about them in the past before. We'll have a different type of buyer for each episode, uh, for each element of the score engine. One type of buyer buys from S, sales, C, content, O, objection, R, risk reversal, E, engagement emails, right? And so I wanted to create a really simple report which described the psychology of the different types of buyer. So what I did is I put into, I think I think I used ChatGPT for this one, and I, I, I might be wrong about that though, so just, just in case. Um, and I just went into it and I said, look, there are these five different types of buyer in an email list. This one is this. This is how they behave a little bit, like two lines for each of them. Can you write me a full description of a psychological you know, kind of thing for each person? So we did that and they were good. They were really good. And then I asked it to behave. This is quite interesting. I asked it to behave as if it was a... Um, as if it was giving a psychic reading, right? Because I was thinking about like um, psychics and how they do the sort of the readings, they're able to sort of like extrapolate on a lot of information and create a psychological profile of what this person is like. And then that became part of the lead magnet. So actually to read the lead magnet is really, really interesting. In fact, I'm going to give you a link, which doesn't exist while I'm saying it, but we'll make a note and it will exist by the time you are hearing this. If you go to emailmarketingheroes.com slash types, you'll be able to go check out what was produced from doing that. And it's really impressive. It's really, really impressive. So again, I was, I think cre having creating a lead magnet or creating anything f by AI is great as long as you are feeding it each step of the way. Like this is the framework I've, I've created. Or it could be that you ask it to create the framework. Hey, I need a five-step framework for how to get your children to eat vegetables. Okay. And then it'll create the framework. And then off that, again, you can have it create the content for the lead magnet. Of course, you'll want to tighten it up and lay it out nicely and all that sort of stuff. All right. So yeah, we've had it, um, we've had it create a lead magnet. I'll let you take the next one. Oh yeah. So this is a sort of, before we, well, the next thing I'm going to do after this little bit, I'm going to now give you the, um, the cool prompt that I've added into things to make it really speak like marketing uh, when we're having any AI write stuff for us. And then what we're going to do is we're going to go into some of the things that we've been hearing people 
um, talk about and that we've been playing around with, but we've not yet implemented. So um, we'll, we'll talk about them. So here's the prompt, though. And this is a prompt that, again, I've never seen anybody talk about. I just was thinking, how do I make this bit of writing more punchy? How do I make it like grab more attention and be more emotional? And I was thinking, where else is that type of writing used? And it's really simple. Just add in the prompt that you want it to write. So the usual thing of write it as if uh, so a sixth grader could understand it. So that keeps the language nice and simple. That's good. But then the additional prompt is in the style of a tabloid newspaper, right? That's those big newspapers which are written for easy consumption. There's no fancy words. It's not like, you know, I think the Telegraph is a quite, I, I don't really read newspapers, but they're like, you don't want something which is really like the Financial Times, which has got lots of technical language. You want it to be, in the UK, we've got like The Sun and we've got like Heat Magazine. And the trashy ones. They're, they're the real like, yeah, the real trashy ones who are like doing all that sort of celebrity dirt stuff. But they're written for the mass consumption, grabbing people's attention as they walk past the news agent, past the newsstand, and 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 the head. So it's great for headlines, it's great for subject lines, and it's great for writing copy. So ask it to add in the style of a tabloid newspaper. And sometimes you'll want to do that as a separate prompt. It's like, cool, now that's good. Now please rewrite it in the style uh, of the tabloid newspaper. So that's my little super prompt for you. I love it. Let's very quickly dive through so these last sort of few points. Uh, so the first one is uh, you can use, we've heard of people using this to like come up with cust custom bits of code for websites because we're not coders. We do have have a developer on staff, but there's some things that are just so microscopic to him they're not worth taking him off the big projects he's working on in order to to do stuff. And likewise, most people don't have the luxury of a full time developer. We're very lucky with that. Um, mm. But you can do it now. The closest I have got to this is I have a lot used it to correct formulas and stuff that I can't do in Google Sheets. Oh, so like yeah. if I want to take, I want to divide this column by this column, but I only want to display it there if those two columns aren't blank because otherwise you get that horrible div error. There's one thing you can add and I just went, I've got this thing, I, only want, I want it to hide it if the two divisible columns are blank and it'll come up with a way of doing it that would take, I could probably figure it out, but it'd take me hours of reading posts and trying to put it together and testing it and not knowing why it's broken. Mm. And likewise, I then went back to it and said, um, you know, it's not working. Why is it not working? And it fixed it for me. Um, so that, and, and at some point I realized it was actually my error on one of them. So that's super cool. Yeah, I really like that. So coding, you know, how do I embed this on my website? It's not quite working. You can go back to it and say, that didn't work. I got this error. And it'll often say, oh, I'm sorry, that's because of this. If it's not something they can do in the code, it'll, it'll often tell you, I think you need to go and have a look at this area of your back end site. It's really good for like fixing that kind of stuff. You can't get stuff working. And then I'm going to just recommend um, some three really cool GPTs. Obviously, people are able to create their own GPTs and share them with the world. So uh, there's a really cool split testing GPT that our friend Rich Sheffron told us about, and he sent me the link to the other day. And this split testing GPT, you're able to put something in, and with 80% accuracy, it will tell you which will win in a split test. Isn't that incredible? 80% accuracy. You give it two Facebook ad um, pieces of copy and it'll go, probably that one. And 80% of the time, it is correct. 20% of the time, it's wrong, of course. And there is that 20%. The second one is what I've been playing with this morning, 
called Zubot GPT, Z-U-B-O-T, for writing Facebook ads. And what I like about this is, um, so basically, I asked it to... um, to create a Facebook ad for our product. Um, I did our product Countdown Hero, and I told it what it is, what is unique about it. So literally, it's a piece of software. It drives urgency, but it does it without uh, using cookies and IP tracking. It actually ties the timer to the individual subscriber. Um, The target market, so I just said men and women who've got a course and a program or a membership or a coaching program. What's the style? Uh, Fun, high-impact, playful, inspiring. And what's the sort of the offer? Uh, and the call to action, I was like $67, one-time lifetime access. Um, the next question was, do you want any visual elements? So it would, because chat, of course, now um, can create images. Um, do, have you got any visual elements? I just said no for speed. And um, how much will you be spending on this thing? So it knows the sort of longevity that the ad needs to have. So I said $1,000 a day to run ongoing. All right. So it came up with some pretty good. The headline is Supercharge Your Sales with Countdown Hero. The subheadline is Exclusive Lifetime Deal, just $67. And then the ad copy is Ready to Skyrocket Your Online Sales, Introducing Countdown Hero, the ultimate tool for creating evergreen urgency in your sales campaigns. Say say goodbye to outdated cookie and IP tracking methods, blah, 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 blah. And why Countdown Hero? Ethical urgency and some stuff about that. Unique subscriber timers, personalized for every user, count, uh, boost conversions, watch your sales figures soar. And then, so as well as writing that copy and it put emojis in, which was like, look, really, really cool. That tells you what the, the CTA button needs to say, all that stuff. But then it gives you a bunch of suggestions for what the visuals could be. So a vibrant, engaging graphic showing a countdown timer in action, um, something representing growth. And you could go and pop that into any one of the visual creators and it will do that. But then, and this is the bit I really like, it diagnoses the behavioral techniques that it applied in the copy and stuff that it suggested. So it says it used scarcity and FOMO. This is what it did there and highlights when that was. Uh, the reciprocity principle where it used that. Some color psychology in, in for, for the imagery suggestion. Some social validation. Um, some dual coding theory and mental imagery. Uh, some visual hierarchy and um, and some other stuff, right? So it was... Um, it was re- I'm really, really impressed with it. So that's Zubot. The final one I want to mention is something to do with not directly marketing in that way, but in a totally different way, which is there's one called the Google Analytics Guru. And that's, I don't know about you, but every time I log into Google Analytics, I just, my eyes glaze over. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with this. You can literally link this thing up to your Google Analytics and ask it questions, and it will tell you what you need to know based on your Google Analytics. So, again, um, I just that's just a really, really cool, um, a really cool one. So, yeah, there's a bunch of GPTs we're not like using, using, but we are playing with right now. So, hopefully, that was a really interesting episode for everybody looking at how we're using uh, AI. Uh, across the business, what we're sort of thinking about right now. Super cool. Should we go to the next bit? Yes, do you want to go to the next bit? Okay, cool, that's fine. I thought we might be had a little call to action there, but I, uh, if anybody wants... To, uh, how, how are we going to link this to <laughs> this our call to action? This is going to be... I didn't do the call to action because this will be the biggest handbrake done I've ever done. <laughs> I, I guess, basically, if you want to... If you want to have a chance to join a thing where there's, where there's coaching calls with no summaries because the AI is crap at it, uh, then... <laughs> 
<laughs> just being honest, sell through honesty. That's our mantra. Uh, no, I guess, you know, on the podcast, we do our very best to do what we're doing now, which is to bring you the sort of cutting edge, what's really happening in our business and in the world of email stuff. And uh, if you want to get the the biggest stuff in that, then the best place to be is inside our program. It's called the Email Hero Blueprint which is available at emailheroblueprint.com. It's everything that you need to get your email marketing to where you want it to be, actually making sales every single day, both through automated emails and through live broadcasts that you send. The full system, everything is there, increased deliverability, uh, copy, everything. So inside the emailheroblueprint.com is where you can grab it. Awesome stuff. Thanks. Okay, now it's time for this week's... Subject line of the week. Subject line of the week. What have you got, Rob? So this week's subject line of the week is legal quicksand. Uh, basically, I was talking about some funny legal thing that I saw. Legal terms and conditions that you see on everything. Uh, but legal quicksand has lots of curiosity to it. Oh, is somebody in trouble? Are they, you know, they're suing somebody? Are they being sued? What's going on? What's the quicksand of the legals uh, getting sucking them in? So yeah, just quite an interesting, interesting phrase. I love, I love, do you know what it is? I, I love the visual that the word quicksand creates. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like you're being yeah, sucked in, ages. out of control, and you're like getting smothered. It's It's really evocative, isn't it? It took me ages to remember what the word quicksand was. I was sat going, what's that thing that's in cartoons that's like people get dragged down into sand? And I, eventually I remembered quicksand. Yeah. Legal quicksand. That's this week's... Subject line of the week. Subject line of the week. Bit of a longer episode for you this week. Obviously, we usually try and keep it to around 25 to 30 minutes, but we've gone for quite a quite a quite a journey today together so thank you so much for listening to the whole show we really appreciate it we do this every single week so make sure you hit the subscribe button on your podcast player and we'll be back next email marketing wednesday with another show we'll see you there the email marketing